Turn your Bible this morning to the book of Matthew. We'll be in Matthew chapter 28 once again, uh, verse 19 and 20. Uh, We have been in a series for some time now on the Great Commission. Uh, If my count is correct, this is message number 22 on the Great Commission that I'll be preaching this morning. And I want you to give me your attention today. And uh, so much is in uh, these two verses. And I want us to see once again what God has for us in Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20. And verse 19 reads, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. This morning I'm going to preach on the conversion of the Great Commission. Uh, I believe that there will be uh, enough messages left that will take us to the end of the month. Today I'm going to preach on the conversion of the Great Commission. I plan on preaching next Sunday on the baptism of the Great Commission. And the next Sunday I plan on morning I plan on preaching on the discipleship uh, of the Great uh, Commission along with the Sunday evening messages. Uh, the three parts of the Great Commission. Uh, this morning we're going to talk about the conversion of the Great Commission. Uh, This morning, I'll I'll preach the message a little bit different than I normally do. I'm going to ask you to give me your close attention. Uh, Because of the subject this morning and because of trying to keep it condensed uh, into the time this morning and the importance of it, uh, I am going to, I have uh, written out much of my message today, which I don't normally do that. And uh, so I will uh, try and stay right on track this morning if you'll give me your attention. Uh, But I do want you to give me your attention. Uh, I do believe uh, that Christ gave this commission to the church. Uh, There's a lot of confusion about the Great Commission. There's a lot of confusion about salvation. And this morning, we're going to speak on the conversion. I believe that there are churches all over this, this great land, that there are people sitting on the pews that think they're saved that are not saved. It's because they have never been converted. I'm not trying to get anyone to doubt their salvation Uh, this morning. That's not my job. In anything, I'm supposed to encourage us in our salvation. But there's no doubt in my mind that there is confusion about the conversion of the Great Commission. Let's have a word of prayer. Please give me your attention this morning. Father, I pray that you would use your word, the message you've impressed upon my heart, the day in which you impressed upon me to preach it. And Father, I pray that uh, the attention will be on the word of God this morning. May the Spirit of God have liberty And Father, if there's one unsaved this morning, I pray that they would fall under conviction today. May they realize the urgency of getting their salvation settled. May they realize the reality of a heaven and a hell. May they realize that there's only one way to heaven. It's through Christ Jesus. It's not enough just to believe that He exists. It's not enough just to believe that He rose from the dead. But may we really uh, consider the conversion of our soul. And Father, I pray that you would use your word today, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We look at the Great Commission, and of course Christ has risen from the dead after his crucifixion. He has risen having conquered death and hell. He's assembled his church together in the midst of his church, of course, are his disciples. And before he ascends into heaven, back to heaven, he he gives this command that we know is the Great Commission. 
it's a three-part command to, to win the lost, to baptize the converted, and to disciple those that have been saved. This morning, we're going to deal with the first part of that great commission, go ye therefore and teach all nations. What were the disciples, what were the church to teach all nations? They were to teach all nations the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the death, the burial, the resurrection. They were not to teach some uh, doctrine of some man-made religion. They were not to teach their own thoughts about certain situations. They were not to teach the law. They were not to teach religion. They were to teach that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And Jesus came to this earth, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, willingly went to the cross of Calvary. He willingly laid down his life. He willingly gave his life. Man did not take his life from him. He gave his life for you and me. And that moment when he gave up the ghost and he said, it is finished. At that moment, uh, sin had been defeated. At that moment, hell had been conquered. At that moment, Satan had forever been cast aside. At that moment, those that would look to Christ could have redemption could have forgiveness. At that moment, the veil in the temple was torn in twain, separating, uh, that had been separated and, and put the emphasis on the law and the picture of salvation. Now the Savior had come. Now the Lamb had been slain. This was the message they were to teach. What man did with that knowledge would determine their eternity. You teach the gospel. Man then must decide what to do with the information. There are many today in the world celebrates Easter Sunday. They celebrate the resurrection of Christ. But I would submit to you this morning that the world has not done with that information what the world needs to do with that information. What man did with that knowledge would determine their eternity. Before I go any further, perhaps you're sitting here today and you've never dealt with the reality that your soul will spend an eternity in either heaven or hell. The information I give you today from the Word of God, what you do with that will determine your eternity. To be converted or to become a convert of Christ would be to believe in the gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection. We must keep in context what we are looking at. Christ had risen as man had tried to stop him, as the devil had tried to defeat him. As governments and religion, bear in mind, it was, a, it was the, the, the world government, the Roman government, and it was the religious Pharisees that crucified the Lord Jesus Christ. It was a rejection of him. But now he had risen from the dead. And now he had commissioned his church to go and teach all nations, giving them the opportunity to convert to a follower of Christ. It was not in this day, nor is it really today, putting that as a hashtag on your social media that you're a convert of Christ. There is a soul change that must take place to be a convert. To be converted or to become a convert would be to believe in the gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection, that Christ is the sin payment. This belief would change an unbeliever to a believer. This belief would change the lost to the saved. 
This belief would change the dead to the living. This belief would change a child of hell to a child of God. This belief would change the unregenerate to the regenerate. To be converted, one had to reject that which they had been trusting and accept Christ as their Savior. There's many today who would say they believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God, yet they have not rejected that which they have put their belief in to get them to heaven. A Jew that believed he must keep the law would have to reject the law and accept the witness of the apostles. That Jesus was not only the Son of God, but that he had died, was buried, and rose from the dead, becoming man's sin sacrifice and conquering death in hell. The Jews that crucified Jesus, there was no accepting both. They were at odds with one another, the law and Christ. In order for a Jew to be converted, he must reject the law and accept Christ as the fulfillment of the law. A Gentile or a pagan, if you will, who worshiped an idol, that false god, would have to reject that god and accept Jesus as his Savior. The Jew could not accept Christ in addition to the law and be converted. The Gentile could not add Jesus as another god along with his other gods and be converted. To become a convert required a complete rejection of one's own ability to save and a complete rejection of another's ability to save. Baptism was the open declaration and confession that the Jew had rejected the law as his way to forgiveness and had accepted Christ as his payment for sin. Baptism was open declaration for the Gentile that he was rejecting the idol made of stone and had placed his belief in the gospel of Christ alone. Today, his church, Christ's church, can be recognized as the one that teaches all men death, burial, resurrection as the only hope, the need for conversion. And friend, just as Christ commissioned the church that day to tell the world there's a need of conversion, that's the same message the church has today. The average song sung in the church today is not we'll work till Jesus comes, it's we'll play till Jesus comes. We'll do what we want to do till Jesus comes. The message is still the same today, that it is Christ alone. He is the only hope for conversion. Just as the Jew had to reject their dependence on the law to be converted, man today must reject their own good works and accept Christ's payment for sin. Just as the Gentile in that day had to reject their idols and accept Christ's payment only and completely, man cannot accept Christ and Mary. Man cannot accept Christ and Buddha. Man cannot accept Christ and any other God. One must reject their belief that the Pope can forgive sins and accept that only Christ can forgive sins. One must reject that a priest or a quote-unquote holy father is not a mediator for sins, but only Christ is that mediator. To be a convert of Christ, one must reject praying to Mary and must accept that Mary was a sinner bound for hell until she accepted by faith Christ's payment on Calvary. We accept the commission of Christ today 
and follow the command to teach all nations of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. Not just the fact he died, but why he died. That to be converted, one must accept Christ's sacrifice as their only payment for sin and rejecting all others. The message that is taught today that there's many ways to heaven is a lie straight from the pits of hell. That you can proclaim your own goodness as a Christian, and, and, and we're all Christians, is you will not find that in this Bible. There must be a conversion. That to be converted, one must accept Christ's sacrifice as their only payment for sin and rejecting all others. The mission of the church is to seek converts through the power of the gospel. Maybe you stumbled in here today, you hadn't been in church in a long time, or you haven't been in a Bible-preaching church. Let me tell you, a scriptural church uh, is up front and saying, we're looking for converts. We want those that are bound for hell, and we want them to meet Christ and have eternity in heaven. Converting to the power of the gospel. We unashamedly proclaim Christ as the only way to heaven. We teach all nations with the goal of their conversion. By the way, this is why true Bible believers cannot yoke up with those that believe it's Christ and Mary. Christ and Buddha. Christ and any other God. Christ and our own goodness. There is but one way and you are not a convert of Christ unless you have rejected all other beliefs. Likewise, a conversion does not take place when all three parts of the Great Commission are fulfilled. Baptism is just getting wet without conversion. There is no discipleship without conversion. There is no conversion without rejection of all other means and acceptance of only Christ's payment. The modern, contemporary, emotion-driven, mystic-influenced church has placed the emphasis on part two and part three of the Great Commission. You do not check all three boxes of the Great Commission for conversion. You are converted. Then you publicly confess your faith. You are converted. And then you grow as a disciple of Christ. This scene takes place in false churches across our nation. An emotion-based program based on false doctrine is orchestrated. A quote-unquote altar call is given asking people to choose to become a disciple of Christ. They are then given a card asking them to check a box by a statement affirming their faith in Christ. They are baptized and given a t-shirt declaring they are a disciple of Christ. All of this takes place with no conversion. No rejection of their self-sufficiency. No conviction of sins. Baptism does not save you. Declaring yourself a disciple of Christ does not save you. If you don't believe me, you can ask Judas when you meet him one day. 
Just as many Jews who heard the gospel in that day rejected Christ's payment alone because they held to the law, there are many today that hold to a false experience or self-declaration. No conversion, no salvation. No conversion, baptism's not scriptural. No conversion, no disciple. And friend, just in case you're getting upset at me this morning for speaking the truth to you, let me give you some wise counsel. You ought to be upset at the charlatan and the false doctrine and the sorcerer who told you there's another way to heaven except for rejecting your self-sufficiency, rejecting another religion, rejecting the false God and trusting and believing Christ. In contrast, when the gospel is preached in the power of the Holy Spirit, it is the Holy Spirit that convicts the sinner of his lost condition. It is the Holy Spirit that puts the weight of one's own sins on his shoulders. It is the Holy Spirit that convinces the sinner that without Christ, he deserves hell and will spend eternity there if he dies without Christ. Friend, there's one preacher who's willing to upset you. There's one preacher here that's willing to make an enemy of you by telling you the truth. That if you die in your sins, you will spend an eternity in a devil's hell paying suffering for all of eternity for your sins. I'm here to tell you if you have never been converted, you're not okay. I'm here to tell you if you're not and never been converted, you are in danger, not just today, but for all of eternity. I'm here to tell you if you could say, well, I prayed to Mary one time. That will not get you any closer to heaven. I'm here to tell you if you walked an aisle somewhere and you, and you prayed some prayer with no conversion, I'm not here to tell you you're okay. You must be born again. There must be a conversion. It's then the Holy Spirit that quickens the soul in the moment of belief and seals the soul for eternity. Jesus did not commission His church to go and make the world feel good. Why do we think that these same men He commissioned were martyred for the cause of Christ? Because they preached that you had to reject the law and take Christ. They preached that that God you've been praying to, made out of wood and stone, is not a God at all. And that you must reject that God, and you must receive Christ in Christ alone. There has to be a conversion. Let me very quickly tell you what conversion is and where it comes from. Number one, conversion comes from receiving Christ. Don't turn there. You can mark the reference. I'm not going to give you time to get there. John 1, 12. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. But as many as received him. It does not say that we're aware that he came. It does not say that they were they believed that he was born of a virgin, although you must believe that. It didn't say it's just enough to believe the tomb is empty. That received him. To them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. There are many today who claim the name of Christ who have never received Christ. They claim the name of Christ and they have never become a son of God. Baptism is not receiving him. Discipleship is not receiving him. 
Church membership is not receiving Him. Declaring Him Lord of your life is not receiving Him. Saying a prayer alone is not receiving Him. Believing He rose again is not receiving Him. Receiving Him is accepting that He died in your place as a sinner. Friend, you and I deserve to pay for our sins. There is none righteous, no, not one. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Make no mistake about it, this is a room full of sinners. Sinners who could do nothing about their lost condition. Sinners who could do nothing about their sin. There's just two kinds of sinners. There's saved sinners and there's lost sinners. And the saved sinners are saved because they rejected everything else and they received Christ's sacrifice for their sins. Oh, they, there was a day when the weight of their own sins, it weighed on them when they knew that if they died in those sins, they would have no hope, and there's no way they could get to God for their own sins. But somebody told them the greatest news they could ever hear, that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And they heard the news that Jesus came and He lived a sinless life. And the only one who knew who had never sinned became sin for all men. And friend, you must believe that Jesus went to that cross and He was there not for the world's sins, but for your sins. It was your sins that put Him on the cross. Your sins were bad enough to put Him there. Your sins separated him, you from God. Your sins would send you to hell. But you were receiving the fact that Jesus became the sin sacrifice. He was the spotless Lamb. He was the one slain for all of men. And He gave His life for your sins. It was Him who came victorious, conquering death and hell. His finished work on Calvary is the only means of salvation. It is not receiving the sacraments. It's receiving Christ. Conversion is by receiving Christ. You don't earn Christ. You receive a gift. Well, you come Christmas time, you go steal a gift from under the tree. That ain't going to fly. But it's a wonderful thing when somebody gives you a gift. You have to receive it. Friend, this morning, if you've never been converted, let me tell you, that gift is available to you. But I can't force you to take it. As much as I would like for you to have it, I can't make you take it. You have to receive it. That's what he was commissioning the church. Go and teach all nations. Tell them that I came to pay their sins. Tell them I paid their sin debt. Tell them I came forth from the grave. Tell them that if they believe on me, they can have forgiveness of their sins. They must receive him. Number two, conversion is by grace. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It doesn't matter. How, it didn't matter how much the Jew kept the law. He's still a sinner. I, I've been to Israel. I've talked to them. They, they will admit to you that there's, there's laws that they can never keep. That's why they must have the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. And friend, you and I today, it doesn't matter uh, how, what our church membership is. It doesn't matter what works we've done. Salvation, conversion is by grace. You can't earn conversion. 
You can't will it to happen. You can't check a box declaring it so. It is only by the grace of God. You can take not just all of your good works. You could take all the good works that have ever been done by any man and put them on one end of the scale and just put your sins on the other side and they'll never even out because it is by grace that we are converted. Unmerited favor. Can I tell you, you're listening to a converted man today, not because he earned it, not because he's a preacher, not because he's a Baptist, not because he's done anything to receive that favor, but there was a God who loved the world. There was a God who sent his son. There was a, there was a Savior who went to the cross of Calvary. He was, he was buried. He rose again. And it's by the grace and the belief You can't work your way to heaven. You can't declare yourself converted. Number three, conversion brings change. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Friend, when you get converted, you're not the same. You're not the same. You're different. As I read at the beginning, you went from a a lost man to a saved man. You went from a child of hell to a child of God. You're a new creature. To be converted means that you become something else. And friend, that conversion leads us to make an open declaration of faith. That conversion leads us to discipleship. But you cannot have that unless you're changed. Friend, there's no way you and I can be good enough. There's no way you and I can can even, we're not even worthy to speak the name of Christ. The only way for us to enter the presence of God is through conversion. Because it brings change. It's an amazing thing that often those that are claiming to be converts, they have no change in their life. The verse of Scripture I read, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, declares that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. There's several applications we can make with this this morning. Very quickly, if you've been converted, that which you were, you're not anymore. Say, Pastor, I'm not worthy to get to heaven. You don't know what I've done. Friend, let me just tell you, nobody's worthy to get to heaven. And I know we're in the house of God this morning, but if we all knew the sins of everybody in here... But can I tell you what this reminds us of? That if you are, a, you are in Christ, you're not what you were before. You're a new creature. And let me challenge you, Christian. Why don't we start trying to live like that new creature? Why don't we embrace the fact that we're converted? Why don't we say, since I have found Christ, since I have trusted Him, and I've rejected all others, I am a new creature, I'll live in Christ. But friend, if there's no change, we must then consider the fact that there's no conversion. There's a lot of religion that claims the way. But the question this morning is not, are you religious? The question this morning is not, are you a Catholic, a Baptist, a Methodist, a Muslim, whatever you claim. The question this morning, have you been converted? 
And conversion brings change. Fourthly and finally, conversion results in eternal forgiveness. I take you to that hill called Calvary where our Savior is nailed on that cross. He has become sin for you and I. When He took sin upon Himself, the Bible tells us that His own Father turned His back on Him. Because friend, no matter what you try and do, you can't enter into the presence of God. God will not tolerate sin in His presence. He is holy. And by the way, let us just be reminded, man today does not define holiness. God is holiness. We define holiness against God. I take you to that place where Christ paid for the sins of all men. To the right of our Savior is a guilty criminal being crucified. To the left of our Savior is a guilty criminal being crucified. One man, in his guilt, mocked and chastised the Son of God. The other man called out for salvation. He knew he was guilty. He knew he deserved crucifixion. He knew he deserved death. And oh, but there's no doubt in my mind that there was no doubt in his mind that this man being crucified next to him was not only innocent of the charges laid against him, there's no doubt in my mind that there was no doubt in his mind that he believed and knew that he was the Son of God. And he didn't know exactly how to say it. He didn't know exactly what to say. But in the book of Luke, chapter 23, not only do we have the account of the crucifixion, but we have this man calling on Jesus. This man didn't have time to change his ways. He didn't have time to turn over a new leaf. He didn't have time to join a church or take the sacraments. He didn't even have time to hashtag disciple of Christ. He just called out in his misery. He just called out in his guilt. He just called out in his shame. He just called out in his hopelessness. And there, nailed on that cross next to the Son of God, he called out for forgiveness. He called out for change. And there, the moments before he died, he was converted. Evidence of this is in the words of our Savior, Luke 23, 43. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Conversion results in eternal forgiveness. Have you been converted? Church, we must be reminded, we're not commissioned to do anything. Teach all nations so that they might be converted. I'm going to be very honest. It's my life's mission to get as many as I can that have been deceived into thinking that a man has the power to say, Thy sins have been forgiven thee. It's my life's mission 
Speak the truth to those that are bound in these cults. Say, Pastor, you're talking about Islam? I'm talking about all religion. All who say there's another way is a cult. It's my life's mission to tell them the truth that you must reject. You must reject that ideology that says you can work your way to heaven. You must reject the ideology that says uh, Jesus is not the perfect Son of God. You must reject the ideology that teaches that Jesus was just a Son of God and not the only begotten Son of God. You must reject the ideology that says uh, there is any other way to be forgiven that through Jesus Christ. You must reject it. I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm looking for converts. Have you been converted? Have you been born again? In the book of John, we focus on verse 16, which is probably the most famous verse in the Bible, for God so loved the world. That verse came as a result of Jesus' conversation with a Pharisee, a religious ruler, a religious teacher, one who lived to live by the law. We find in verse number 3, Jesus answered and said to him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. There's a lot of people today aware of the kingdom of God. There's a lot of people today who talk about the kingdom of God. And as bluntly and kindly as I can say, they'll never see the kingdom of God because they've never been born again. Say, well, I've been baptized. Well, that means nothing unless you've been converted. Well, 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 I've been attending some discipleship classes. It means nothing unless you've been converted. I'm a church member. I'm religious. It means nothing. Unless you've been converted. Conversion requires the rejection of any other way to restore fellowship with God. Friend, you can use your whole life trying to earn forgiveness. You'll never get it. It only comes from grace. Have you been converted this morning? Father, I pray that we would be in a mind.